0: You guys, welcome to episode one of The Smush Room. I'm your host. My name is Troy McEady. And I wanted to start right off the top by kind of giving you some insight as to uh, what we're going to be discussing here every week and just sort of generally what the format of the show is going to be and what you have to look forward to. Um, so basically, in a nutshell, this is a weekly deep dive into the well-known, but also more specifically not so well-known, very messy one-night stands, hookups, full-blown relationships and breakups of your favorite reality TV stars. Um, we're going to be deep-diving on these very odd, sort of weird couplings that not many people know about or talk about, or maybe they we do know about them, but for some reason we just don't discuss how fucking weird they were. Um, that's what we're going to be getting into. And even more specifically, the Hollywood relationships of your favorite reality TV stars. So, for example, like um, somebody like a Trishel from The Real World. I did some digging and found out that she had sex with Leonardo DiCaprio. And I literally sat back in my chair and thought, why the fuck is nobody talking about this? Like, this is Trump era, and we need to do everything we can to stay happy and to stay positive. And I'll tell you what keeps me positive and happy is knowing that in some alternate universe, Trishel and Leonardo DiCaprio found themselves in the same room, in the same place at the same time, and they had sex with one another and then just continued living their lives. Leo went on to win an Oscar, and Trisha went on to bleach her hair and do one more season of The Challenge on MTV. I mean, like, I can't even... That's something that I can't just know happened and not discuss it. So this podcast is going to be an outlet for me. Um, And I'm just super excited. I First of all, I just want to thank Molly and thank Nicole for helping me out so much with this. Like They've literally been my fairy godmothers for the past few months. And I know for sure that I would not have been able to do this without them. It's been really fun putting this together, but I know that like... This is some hard fucking work and without them I not I would not have been able to do it. So thank you guys so much and if you're listening to this that means that you're probably a Patreon member, I'm assuming. So thank you for donating uh to me and to Liz Bentley and to Nicole and Molly and to everybody behind the scenes who puts this together. Now that I've seen how the sausage is made, like I'm so much more appreciative of the fact that I'm able to do this with them because this is hard work and I'm really excited. I hope that you guys are entertained by me. You probably noticed that I am here by myself. Right now, I'm sitting in a closet alone next to a bottle of Pinot Grigio and a bag of Cheetos. So, I'm serving you a little bit of Ramona and a little bit of Brittany. And yeah, I'm really excited. And if you are a member of our Facebook group, I would love to know, um, you know, who you want to hear me talk about. If you have interest in these, Couples, like I would love to bring you on and have you talk about them with me. I'm totally down for that, and I'm gonna be posting everything that I discuss in the Facebook group, any like literature or interviews or you know YouTube videos, anything like that. And if you're not a member of our Facebook group at this point, I I, I don't really know what to tell you. I don't know if there's any hope for you. Like we have three podcasts going right now, and we've had a million episodes. We've told you that it's lit. We have made it perfectly clear to you that the Facebook group is very lit and very fun, and we have really fun discussions all day about Sheena Shea's contour and, uh, you know, Bethany Frankel's, like, jaw reduction. I mean, there are things happening in there that are very fun and very informative and very important in the current state that we live in politically. So I guess we can just kind of get right into it. Um, I wanted to dedicate this first episode to two people who... I find very important in reality television, one of them is, I mean, I would consider to be reality TV royalty, she's our version of royalty in this country, and the other is a reality TV pioneer, because he was a part of creating a format of reality television that is still being copied today, and it's been, I think, more than 10 years since his show was on. We're going to be getting into Nick Lachey and Kim Kardashian. Because if you didn't know, which I didn't know, a lot of people knew, a lot of people didn't know, I don't know, we never talk about it, so I don't know. That's what I'm here for. These two dated 10 years ago, and Nick Lachey has been under the impression for those 10 years that he is the reason that Kim Kardashian is famous. (sighs) The discovery of that literally was like the reason that I wanted to do this podcast in the first place. I'm not kidding. Like, the absurdity of that statement that I just made is the reason that I wanted to do this podcast. It is so insane to me that this happened and that none of us discuss it ever. None of us talk about it. And these two have gone on and lived their lives. And and Nick's been living a life for 10 years where he thinks that that woman is famous and that she met Kanye West and has all of what she has because of him. So I figured we could break it down, unpack it, and figure out how these two met, how they hooked up, how long they were together when they broke up and you know all the messy details of this modern day romeo and juliet if you will um and i figured also we could sort of start each week of this podcast by detailing where these people were in their lives during this time what they were up to and how they were inevitably led to one another and we're gonna start this week with nick nicholas thomas as i like to call him um so according to the Daily Mail, Nick and Kim are said to have met at a birthday party for Arizona Cardinals player Matt Leinart in April of 2006. And according to Kim, they only officially dated for about a week. And like I said, Nick has gone on to be very vocal about the fact that he believes Kim uh, used him for fame and that she orchestrated this whole thing. And that as a result, she became famous because of being seen with him, which, like I said, we will get to later for sure. So, before the premiere of Newlyweds, um, MTV had actually been developing a reality show for Michael Jackson and Lisa Marie Presley. And the whole idea behind the show was that it was supposed to sort of document their marriage and document their lives and, I guess, sort of pull the veil back, no pun intended, on their weird relationship. I don't know if you remember during that time. I was really young, but I was obsessed with Michael Jackson growing up. And I remember a lot of people thought that their relationship was fake and that Michael had like hired her basically to be his public girlfriend because, you know, he had gone through the child molestation case so publicly. And I think he wanted to look like he was just like in a normal heterosexual relationship. But Lisa Marie Presley has gone on to be very vocal about the fact that they were in love and that she loved him and that she would have no reason to lie. Um, so who knows? We're not here to talk about them. But I do find that whole situation very interesting. Um, And MTV, like I said, they were developing a show for them. So I don't know if they had filmed anything or if they had a pilot or anything set up, but Newlyweds initially was going to be about Michael and Lisa Marie. And they ended up at the last minute backing out and MTV shelved the project and they were just sort of waiting for somebody else to come along to fill those empty spots. And a year later in 2002, uh, Joe Simpson came to them and were like, you know, I have this idea for this show. My daughter just got married to Nick Lachey, and she's about to release her third studio album, In the Skin, and I want to film the first year of their marriage. So MTV had no problem just sort of, like, filling those vacant spots with Nick and Jessica, and the rest, I guess, is reality TV history. Um, The show, like I said, was supposed to focus on their marriage, and... More importantly, the release of Jessica's third album. And uh, going back and reading all of this information about, like, the development of newlyweds and the premiere and everything, like, Nick initially really did get fucked because I don't think Joe ever really had any intention on... Like helping Nick further his career. The whole concept behind the show was that he was just sort of like an accessory to Jessica, and Jessica was working on her album. And then we would get to see how Jessica wrote the album and see all the experiences that Jessica was living through. And then we would, you know, go out and hopefully, I guess, flock to Target and Walmart and buy the album because the show was so good. But there was never any, um, any emphasis put on Nick's career or like the help that Nick needed. They were both in career slumps at that point. Like people weren't really buying their music anymore. And they were always sort of known as like the not quite Brittany and Justin. You know what I mean? They were like the D I don't know. I don't know if you would consider Nick and Jessica D list. Like if we were looking through like the Romeo and Michelle high school yearbook, I don't know if they would be a part of the D group, but they were definitely C at least. Right. Because when I picture D-List, I think of, like, vitamin C. I'm picturing, like, Samantha Mumba. And in Nick's case, I would picture, like, I don't know, like a BB Mac. Like, D-List to me is really, like, bot- like scraping the bottom of the barrel. And I don't know if they were, like, bottom of the barrel pop stars, but they were definitely nowhere near, like, B or A group, you know? So, Jessica then goes on to release her third album, In This Skin. Um, Joe Simpson came up with the idea to release the album the same day as the premiere of the show. And I guess the intention was that we would watch the first episode and be so, I guess, enamored by it that we would run out in drones and like buy this album, which it didn't work. The album sold 64,000 copies. Um, It did terrible, and it was actually the lowest record sales that Jessica had suffered up to that point in her career. And um not much was different for Nick. He had released his first solo album. Solo. Yes, that is the title of the album. It is spelled S-O-U-L space O, in case you're looking for it on iTunes. Um Again, a commercial flop. It failed to sort of launch him into that Justin Timberlake era of his career that he was probably hoping for. And These two were literally floundering, like, there was no need for them in the music industry. At this point, Jessica didn't really have any of her businesses to fall back on. They had only released a couple albums. Nick was just newly out of a boy band that was not even really that successful or popular of a boy band. I mean, they kind of needed this show, and it was really all they had left at this point to, I guess, really sustain any sort of relevance in the pop world. So as we know by now, newlyweds went on to become a giant pop culture phenomenon and it completely relaunched their careers. Um, this show really did sort of change the trajectory of where our culture was headed and where our society was going, where celebrity was going. It was a giant meteor basically hitting the earth. And um, a lot of other celebrities were quick to try and sort of cash in on that celebrity angle, even if it wasn't a show about a newlywed couple, there were so many celebrities doing shows like this with the same sort of format. Um, you know, Molly and I just finished the Britney and Kevin Chaotic special, and that show is a direct reflection of the success of newlyweds. And it's just ironic, like, not even a month prior, this girl couldn't sell a fucking album if you she was giving it away. And then, you know, a few months later, she's on the most successful reality show on television, and... You have Britney Spears, who is at that point, like, maybe the most successful pop star in the world, copying her. So it's just so funny how these things can change and, like, how quickly, just how quick we are. Like, our attention spans, we're like fucking puppies. We're, we're all just chihuahuas, really. We have the attention span of wags, if you will. Um, Jessica had also, as we all know by now, famously become a huge pioneer in the sort of early 2000s dumb blonde movement. Like, it was a really weird time for women in the early 2000s. It was cool to be stupid. And Jessica was making an, an entire career out of it. Um, so these two had really gone from you know, the not quite Britney and justin to the Nick and Jessica brand. They were a lucrative, marketable brand. And the only real downside to this entire thing was that Nick wasn't really able to capitalize on the success of the show while they were in the thick of it. So while it was on TV, you know, Jessica was able to sort of branch off and do her own thing while also still being lucrative as Nick and Jessica, whereas Nick didn't really have that option. It took a little bit more time for him to really you know, gain any sort of benefit, any personal benefit of his own from doing the show. Um, And even when he did, it wasn't like it was so great, but we'll get to that as well. So Jessica went on to use the success of the show to sort of branch off. She tackled new business ventures. We all know, I'm sure if you watch Newlyweds, like, I have, I don't know why this is, but I really have, like this distinct image in my mind one of the most memorable shots of that show for me is jessica doing the uh the product um the photo shoot for her edibles line dessert and i remember like seeing her standing in that pink corset and like holding that cupcake and eating the icing and they made her eat it so many times that she ended up getting sick i don't know why that sticks out to me but maybe because it's like one of my first memories of jessica like becoming a business woman but um she did the dessert line. She later got sued for that, so they took it off the market. But she also did a hair extension line with her hairstylist, Ken Pavis. If you know the Simpson sisters, if you watch the Ashley Simpson show, if you know Jessica, you know Ken. He was a huge part of the family. He has Keith Urban hair, if you don't remember him. He's a middle part that's, like, highlighted, and he's, like, a little bit of a mullet. Tiny little blonde guy. Um, they had that extensions line that, I mean, if you shopped at TJ Maxx from, like, 2003 to like 2008 you've seen it if you are a maxinista which i know you are you'll know exactly what i'm about to say you know that weird section sort of like towards the purses up at the front by the door where they keep weird impulse sort of like broken items and they have like shattered candles and bath salts containers that are partially empty that smell like mothballs and like shampoo bottles that are leaking out of the side and they're all marked down but it's actually like my favorite section and they would always have jessica's hair extensions up there and i remember seeing those like it would be those headbands that had just like a long mermaid tail of weave hanging off of it of just like white blonde weave um but i'm pretty sure around that time she was like one of the first celebrities to ever come out with like a weave line like that was pretty pretty innovative for like 2003 not many people were doing stuff like that she had also gone on a north american tour around this time that was pretty successful and this is when she also introduced the jessica simpson clothing line which i mean at this point we all know by now is like one of the most successful clothing lines for a celebrity of all time And uh, with the show doing so well, and Jessica at the time had a single on the Billboard Top 20, I want to say it was with you. Uh, Joe made the decision to re-release Jessica's album. So they would re-release In This Skin, she would re-record it, and then they would add bonus tracks so that if you, if you watch the show, you'll understand these bonus tracks and blah, 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 like, all a marketing tool, but, like, super smart. And the album ended up going on to sell 4 million copies. So it did extremely well. It was a really good decision by Joe. And, like, if we lay it out, <laughs> what's going on right now in the relationship, Jessica has a hair extension line. She's developed a beauty line. Um, she's got a clothing line and she also has an album that just sold 4 million copies compared to the 64,000 it sold like two months before. Nick, on the other hand, has a solo album that did nothing that they stopped promoting and he stopped releasing singles from his band is broken up. And that's pretty much it. Like if you watch this show, like, can we really just kind of like get into this? Cause that's my favorite part of newlyweds. If you watch this show, the running gag that sort of is underlining throughout the entire thing that they never just sort of come out and say but is apparent in every single episode is that Nick literally has nothing to do. This is the most emasculating thing, the most emasculating reality show I think I've ever seen in my entire life. His entire day consisted of busy work. He would do laundry he would clean their house he would clean their pool he would do jessica's laundry how many scenes do you remember of newly and newlyweds of him throwing her clothes over the banister in that giant foyer which by the way they had no furniture which i thought was super odd like they lived in this giant house that you could tell they had just sort of gotten like let's just buy a mcmansion because we have the money but they had no sort of like idea of how to decorate it or what to do with it so it was mostly empty the entire time they had a bed in their bedroom and like that was pretty much it their closet was this giant room that was completely empty and every single part part of the and with the success of the show and a single that was on the billboard top 20, I want to say it was with you. Joe made the decision for Jessica to re-release her album in this skin. So they would re-record it and then re-release it with some bonus tracks on it in hopes of the album baby doing better because at this point her career's taken off and it did, it paid off the album sold 4 million copies. So it did extremely well. And um, I mean, if we sort of lay it out, like at this point, Jessica has a successful clothing line, she's got a product line, she just released a hair extension line, and she's got an album that just sold 4 million copies, whereas Nick at this point, I mean literally, is doing nothing, his band is broken up, the only solo album he's released, they put out like two singles, one of them did terribly, then the other one I don't even think people knew it was released. So they stopped promoting it, and he had literally nothing to do. Like, the underlying running gag of this show is that Nick Lachey the entire day would just look for busy work and look for things to occupy his time while Jessica went out and worked. He would do things like clean their house. He would do Jessica's laundry. Um, He would clean the pool. He would... Build IKEA furniture. That was a huge part of the show, where he would buy these like sort of elaborate furniture pieces, and then spend most of his day building them. And Jessica would ask him, like, "Why are you doing that when we can just hire somebody to do it for like twenty bucks?" And he was very insistent on doing it himself. I feel like it was something that he thought would like prove his worth in their marriage. And I I think that for a a man like Nick Lachey, like a good old boy from Cincinnati, Ohio who was brought up to, you know, take care of his wife and be a provider. When a man with an ego that fragile is that threatened, I I think that, like, they act out and do weird shit like that. So, like, furniture projects became his way of, like, retaliating. Like, as if she gave a fuck while she was going off and, like, touring Like, he was at home alone, like, building furniture in flip-flops. Like, it was a very weird thing to watch those two. The role reversal, which is something that people don't really talk about when it comes to newlyweds. Like, the fact that Jessica was kind of, like, the breadwinner and Nick was sort of, like, the, quote, housewife, if you will. It was very odd. And I do think a lot of Nick's visible frustration with jessica came from the fact that you know she was able to sort of capitalize on the show's success as a single and a pair whereas with nick he was really only in demand as nick and jessica you know what i mean talk shows weren't really like calling for nick um late night shows weren't asking nick to perform like what would he have performed he had no music out he didn't have any sort of like side ventures going on he just really was sort of Lost, And I also think a lot of Nick's resentment towards Jessica came from the fact that he knew that for the most part she was pretending to be stupid and that it was a bit, you know what I mean? It was this whole thing that she was putting on um, and then it was a bit that he was sort of forced to participate in whether he liked it or not. And I don't think he really had any problem with that towards the beginning, but you can really sort of visibly see towards the end where he just, like, can't physically take anymore, having to pretend to, you know, not know that Jessica blatantly knows these things, and he would start to call her out. And um Nick has also described the process of filming that show as extremely invasive because of how much MTV, you know, just generally how much time they spent inside their house. And, you know, I would imagine it to be exhausting having to be on that often in your own home especially when you can sort of clearly see that your wife is becoming this sort of character person and you're being roped into it you know they don't they never really had a chance to enjoy just like being a young married couple on top of the fact that you know they always say like you don't know a person until you live with them and i know like with my experience like i've lived with people that it's worked out really great and then I've lived with people that I've been friends with my entire life that ended terribly. And you really don't know the quirks of a person. You don't really know how their brain operates fully until you live with them and you see them 24-7. So for them to be going through that as a, a newlywed couple and then to have this huge microscope on their relationship, like, they really were sort of doomed from the start. They never really had, you know, they never stood a chance. There was no possible way that this was ever going to work out well for them in the end. But we didn't know at that time what reality shows did to couples like this. We didn't have the blueprint set out. And, you know, they always say you should never be the first person to do something because you'll never get the credit or you'll get the worst of it. And they really did sort of get the worst of it. Like, they just kind of got chewed up and sped out as far as the relationship goes. And there are really moments in this show where Nick becomes so visibly frustrated with Jessica that he calls her out in a very specific way where it seems like he's sort of retaliating and it's those moments, okay, you'll know what I'm talking about because you love reality TV. You know those moments on a reality show where a character on the show is sort of trying to break the fourth wall and communicate something to the audience, but they're also trying to do it without directly speaking to the audience, if that makes sense. So, for example, okay, so the scene where this is, I would say, second to Chicken or Fish, this is, like, the most iconic scene of this entire series, they're out to dinner, it's Nick, Jessica, Casey Cobb, her assistant slash best friend, and I want to say it was either Nick's brother or Casey's boyfriend slash husband. I can't really remember, there was another guy there, I don't remember, but I know that it was somebody who barely talks and it could just be anybody, all of the men in this show are so replaceable, honestly, including Nick, they're all basically just like good old boys who say, they just mumble words every once in a while and and like wear Tim's and talk about football, but anyway, they're out to dinner, you know, they're eating chicken wings, they're eating buffalo wings, and Jessica is offered a wing and she says, no thank you, I don't eat buffalo. And Jessica giggles when she says it because she literally cannot even contain the fact that she's like, this is like, I think the furthest that they had gone at this point, that she had gone in sort of like pretending to be stupid for the cameras. And Nick gives her this look of like, bitch, seriously, are we going to do this now? Like, is this how far we're going to go with this goddamn thing, really? Like, this visible look of just, like, I cannot fucking believe that we're having this conversation right now, seriously. And he would say things all the time to her, like, baby, I know that you know this. Like, I know that you know we just ate wings. And sometimes he would even say that. Like, we just did this two nights ago. (laughs) We ate wings two days ago. You knew exactly what they were. Like, stop it. And, um, I mean, look, that comment got Jessica a fucking Pizza Hut deal a pizza hut deal in a a fucking super bowl commercial that's exactly what i'm talking about like if you've done this your whole life and you've been rewarded for it and then you reach the highest level of fame that you've ever had in your entire entire career by not knowing if 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 it's chicken or tuna in the blatant tuna can that you know it's fucking tuna like Why would you not continue to do it based on just behavioral patterns? Like, obviously, she's going to continue to pretend to be stupid. It's no surprise, but, like, I could imagine, like, if I were Nick, it's funny, like, watching this back now that I'm, like, an adult approaching 30, like, I relate to Nick so much more. But, you know, I think the combination of the show and his failed music career and, constantly being outnumbered by the overwhelming amount of people Jessica had around her all the time um, I think it made him feel emasculated and lonely and you know Jessica's family was a giant staple in their relationship and in their house pretty much everything they did needed to be run by Joe or run by his mom they were always there their input was always involved it was always very important that Joe knew what was going on with them and you You know, I think Nick actually seemed really depressed to me at times in that show, like just very lost. And his brother was really sort of his only companion outside of Jessica. And like I said earlier, there was always this underlying tension between he and Jessica that her career had taken off as a result of the show and his hadn't. And, you know, she made no qualms about it. Like Jessica all the time would make little comments to him like, what are you going to do today? while she was off to like, you know, do some talk show or something, she'd be like, so what are your plans? While he's wearing flip-flops and cargo shorts and a cut-off t-shirt, he's got like seven Ikea boxes piled up in the corner that he's waiting to get his hands on because he knows that's going to be all he does the entire day. You know, it, it was just, it was very weird and sad and obviously MTV had a way of editing this show that made it feel like funny and fun and like silly, but when you take all that stuff out of it like it was actually like pretty depressing and i i watching it back like i do feel very bad for nick lachey he just he's it's very pathetic um so inevitably what i'm leading up to is that in november of 2005 nick and jessica did announce their legal separation and in december of that year they officially had filed for divorce um In 2006, Nick made his second attempt at a solo album. Unfortunately, this one did not have the word soul in it, so I want nothing to do with it. I will not be purchasing. But the album did go on to become certified gold, and it remains Nick's most successful solo album uh, to date. And ironically, Jessica's career took a huge nosedive after the divorce, um, where Nick was sort of able to capitalize on the media attention that they were getting. He took a page from Joe Simpson's book, honestly, and he themed his entire album around their separation, um, the same exact way Jessica and Joe had with her third album, In This Skin, with their engagement and their marriage. So there is definitely a weird irony there. Um, I guess it's a weird karma for the the shit that he had been put through for the past three years, Um, and then, yeah, I mean, Jessica's, the song that she had released right after the divorce was A Public Affair, which was, like, a fun dance song about, like, roller skating with your girlfriends, like, she really sort of chose, I guess you could say it was the high road, she didn't really talk about the divorce at all, she wasn't doing like interviews or anything like that about it, whereas Nick was literally doing everything he physically could to talk about it more and just sort of trying to capitalize on the moment, which by the way was a moment. There was like a 10 month span where Nick Lachey was in demand and he really fucking took advantage of it. So you fast forward to April of 2006, okay? Nick is in the peak moment of his career. He's got a successful single, he's got an album that's certified gold. He is, for the first time in his career, like, cool. (laughs) That's so shady, but like, you know, he's he's like B-plus list. You know what I mean? He's made it to the B-plus list. I'm not going to give him A. I will never give Nick A, but he had reached that B-plus list. You know what I'm saying? And he was also, at this time, a part of a huge media storm surrounding his divorce. So, like, being seen with Nick Lachey at this point in time was not like the worst thing for somebody who's maybe looking to be photographed, which brings me to Nick meeting Kim. So at this point, Kim is working her eBay business, and she's organizing closets for celebrity clients who included Nicole Richie, um, of course, Paris Hilton, Brandy, Cindy Crawford. So she was doing pretty well for herself. And um, Nick and Kim went on a date. They were photographed leaving a movie theater together. By the way, they saw The Da Vinci Code, so this could not be more early 2000s. And, um, I mean, honestly, you could truthfully consider this to be Kim's introduction into the tabloid culture that she had planned to sort of use to become famous. Like, this was it. This was her first time being photographed with somebody besides Paris Hilton. We had just really learned Kim's name I remember for a short period of time like she was just known as like the girl that would be with Paris all the time nobody knew who she was we didn't know like where she had come from at that point we didn't even we literally didn't know her name and then it had kind of turned into like oh that's Kim Kardashian she's Paris Hilton's friend and she was photographed all the time with Paris outside of bars and outside of clubs and, and restaurants like that was sort of her like at the time so then for her to then be seen with Nick who at the same time is going through like one of the most public divorces in the entire country if not the most public divorce this was huge for her and I mean honestly Nick kind of gave Kim her first break like it, it, it sounds insane to say but he did and you know she was lucky to strike at possibly the only time in our pop culture history that Nick would be considered cool Like, it was the only time ever in, like, a 10-month span that you could be photographed with Nick Lachey and have it benefit your career to the extent that it benefited hers. And, um, I mean, at this point, Kim was literally learning how to be a famous person through just sort of observing and mimicking what Paris was doing. And when I say learning to be famous, I mean literally, like, learning to be famous the only way she knew she could be, which was to be photographed with important people outside of important places. And I'm sure, obviously, at that time, Paris was probably giving her a shit ton of advice on how to work this Nick rumor to her advantage for longevity and to keep the media guessing after that because we were interested. Like, people wanted to know what the hell was going on and who is this girl that's now dating Nick Lachey right after Jessica Simpson. And, you know, Kim has said in interviews and stuff specifically about this time in her career that you know, everything she was doing was really just sort of trial and error, and she had no real idea as to what she was doing. Her and her mom were just sort of figuring it out as they went along, and, you know, you really have to hand it to Kim, like, she learned the game from Paris, and then she used the game that Paris taught her to wedge her out, and basically, like, (laughs) <laughs> take over and it's it's really it's poetic and it's very shakespearean and it's just it's fucking you can't write this shit it gets so insane um and by the time that nick and kim met kim had already actually filmed her sex tape As Nick put it, it was in the can. So the rumors were out there, they were floating around, and this is also around the same time, by the way, that Kris Jenner was shopping the idea for a reality show based on her family and her famous husband to different networks. So the foundation was being set, like, it was really only a matter of time, and a year later, Kim's sex tape, Kim Kardashian superstar, was released through Vivid Entertainment, And in October of that same year, Keeping Up with the Kardashians premiered on E! Um, I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that Nick has now since gone on to say that Kim used him to become famous. And I have a quote here from Nick. This is something that he gave to the Huffington Post about this date a couple years ago. He said, Let's just say we went to a movie. No one followed us there somehow mysteriously when we left there were 30 photographers waiting outside there are certain ways people play this game and some people will play it well let's not forget by the way playing the game was also something nick was doing at the time like he wanted to be photographed with other women obviously to make it look like he had moved on from jessica and won in the tabloids for their divorce and his fragile male ego had been humiliated on national television for the past three or four years as a jobless former boy band member with a superstar wife and he was doing this to get even. Like, why else would you go on like a movie day? It's come on. I, you you can read between the lines. Like, if you're listening to this, you're not an idiot. He was playing the game just as well as she was. I hate when people it's like like she's the one that comes out looking like a desperate like fame whore which like obviously that's what Kim is but like really Nick come on you had like seven months where you were cool and you milked it and this was a part of it um and by the way Kim has also admitted that she was you know at a point in her career where this was a starting off point for her and that this was a huge moment for her in her book Kardashian Confidential from 2010 she wrote It started when I went out on a date with Nick Lachey. Of course, the paparazzi took pictures because people were curious about who he was with. Well, I just read that really weird. Who he was with. The next night, I went out with Paris Hilton. She continued, we were in her car, and the paparazzi started taking pictures. Usually, they would shout, Paris, Paris, Paris. But they started yelling, Kim, Kim, Kim. I wanted to hide, and Paris and I just looked at each other and laughed. She said, Whatever you do, just smile. And I thought, this is so weird. I don't know what's going on. It was all so surreal. And shortly after that week long fling with Kim, you know, Nick met his current wife, Vanessa Manillo, on the set of his music video for What's Left of Me. The song, as we all know, he wrote about the divorce. And the rest is history. Like I said, a year later, Kim went on to release. Oh, I'm sorry, her sex tape was stolen. And, um, from her bedside, and Keeping Up With The Kardashians was released, and everything just kind of took off from there, and, uh, Nick's notoriety sort of plummeted. I, I don't know if maybe he thought, like, he would be able to sustain that, that short little quip of fame he had with Vanessa on his own, but that did not happen, um, And the rest is history. And I can't help but wonder how different Kim's career would be if she had not been... I mean, look, would we still have Kim Kardashian? Of course. In some capacity, we would. But things would be different because that was what sort of snowballed her career and really got things started. I mean, I guess something else would have snowballed it, but who's to say that that thing wouldn't have been something that had completely derailed the whole thing? I mean, I guess we'll never know, but... I hope that you guys enjoyed this first episode. I really enjoyed looking up all this crazy shit and writing about it. Like, I can't believe this was work, honestly. Um, And like I said, if you have a weird, odd reality couple that you want to talk about, let me know. You can tweet me. You can contact me in the Facebook group. I'm going to be posting a lot of the content and stuff, like I said, in the group that I talk about on the show. And um, you can obviously contact me on Twitter if you'd like. I am at Troy McEady, so it's T-R-O-Y-M-C-E-A-D-Y, and our Facebook group is com. If you type that in, it'll take you right to it, so you can avoid all of the repulsive things that go on on Facebook that I personally hate. Like, it's literally the only reason I check Facebook anymore is because of the Facebook group. And um, again, if you're a Patreon member, thank you so much for donating money and giving me the opportunity to tell these stories i really like i said at the beginning hope to entertain you guys this was super fun and that's it that's show number one and i can't wait for next week all right bye guys